This episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor, Oakley. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not just the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. going on Knicks fans? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Cap Rules Everything Around Me. Cream, get the money, dollar dollar bills, y'all. My name is Jeremy Cohen. It's June 20th. June 20th. We are about 48 hours away from the NBA draft. Very exciting. Time has flown when the offseason has been as short as it has been for the Knicks because winning feels great. Especially getting in the second round. It would have been nice to get further, but I'll take what we can get here. So exciting stuff ahead. Got some player movement going on. Um, some dominoes first. Of course, you had uh, Gary Trent Jr. opting into his contract with uh, Toronto. You've got Kyle Kuzma opting out of his deal. Kristaps Porzingis likely to opt in. A lot of movement going on. Obviously, the big Bradley Beal trade that shook everything up. It seems people still don't quite understand the leverage that a no trade clause provides and that the value of Bradley Beal is more in a vacuum than it is a justification of his talent. Because obviously he's a better player than what he's being traded for. But I digress. Usually start off with one big thing. Here's my one big thing. So I haven't had the opportunity to speak since uh, there's a podcast that we did. And it wasn't me. It was uh, John and with... Fred Katz, and you should definitely check it out. Loved it. Great work. There was one thing that they were talking about that I found myself thinking on the opposite side of. So I wanted to kind of provide some sort of pushback. And the conversation came to with the new CBA, what that all means for these other teams. And I think there's this kind of general concern that the middle class is going to get crushed by this deal. And I I don't see it that way. I don't see the middle class getting crushed. I think like with laws in the real world and other situations, new things get imposed and then entities adapt. I don't think the middle class gets crushed. I think the teams that didn't have the foresight, uh, the teams that might be even stupid are the ones that are going to be affected by this because if you have deep pockets, it's going to be fine. But also, you can be resourceful. For example, one way to avoid having to worry about a higher bill later is to front load a contract. That's something Knicks fans are intimately familiar with as the younger players, their second contracts are typically descending. Of course, RJ's is different, but that's a nice way of how you can plan for later and balance things. And you don't all have to do it the one way. Teams like Minnesota, yeah, I mean, they made an, a foolish trade. It was foolish from the beginning. It, it just did not make sense. They are in a pickle because then they had to pay cat. And now they have all these other concerns coming up the pike. They're going to get crushed by it. But I wouldn't consider them a smart middle class team. The Pelicans are another situation where, you know, they gave CJ McCollum the contract that they gave him. And it's an awful deal. And they gave Zion a max, which understandable. And they had Brandon Ingram on a max contract. Also understandable. 
but they, I mean, they gave Jonas Valanciunas a large contract. Uh, they found a great deal with Herbert Jones. Is he going to get paid? We've talked about him before. Trey Murphy the third. Uh, there are all sorts of financial things that they've done and it catches up to you, which is why if you make a mistake, it's better to get off of it sooner than later, because if you don't, it winds up maybe costing you more. Of course, if it's really hard to move a, a contract, then waiting can be worthwhile. But no one's telling the Pelicans that they can't go into the luxury tax. That is a self-imposed tax. I consider them to be a middle-class team. Um, but then again, they're not because they are deciding not to pay the luxury tax. So are they really lower class? Are they middle class, but opting to pretend to be a lower class team? The Bulls, they don't pay the tax. Um, they built a fraudulent core, one that might easily be broken up uh, in a week and a half, maybe even as soon as two days from now. They're middle class to me. They have been one of the best-selling teams in the NBA. It seems like they constantly sell out games. I think their sellout streak, even when they were bad, was still intact. They could spend. They choose not to. The CBA isn't hurting them. Ownership, their governors are hurting themselves. So, look, it's great to see someone like Matt Ishbia, you know, spending all that money. I don't know if it's going to be worth it. I have my own reservations about the trade and the roster construction and all of that. But he's spending. I'm happy that he's doing that. And that's great. But the other teams, it's just you just have to plan ahead. You have to be better and more resourceful. And a lot of the league has planned ahead. Um, but there are a growing number of teams that are now caught in a pickle because of the fact that they made foolish decisions and their actions now have consequences. Fortunately, the Knicks are not really in that position. You know, there was this idea that the Knicks were not able to work with Washington because I think it was in the athletic that this was written. Um, by David Aldridge, I believe, where it was the, you know, the Knicks had bad contracts and Washington didn't want any bad contracts. I read that and I'm just like, how, what, where, what are, what are the bad contracts? Because I don't really see any. You've got Derrick Rose likely coming off the books when the Knicks likely decline his team option. You've Evan Fournier, who's an expiring contract. Isn't that the whole point of expiring money that it's expiring? It doesn't have to last long. You can decline that team option in 2024, 25 Mitchell Robinson's on a descending contract. It's a great deal. RJ Barrett. He's on a really good contract. Julius Randall. I, I mean, one of the cheapest all NBA players this past season. So I read it and I, it didn't make sense to me. And I think we could just say, look, Bradley Beal wanted to go to one team out of, 28 others because he didn't want to stay in Washington. Um, that shouldn't be used against the Knicks. Should, you know, whatever. I digress. They're spending the money. That's important. But it was a little odd to me to see that with the Knicks because they are in a good spot because they are a solid middle class team. Uh, they spend up to or they spent almost up to the luxury tax this past year. So they're not afraid to spend. And as long as the Knicks are able to do what the Suns are doing in a few years, not right now. But in a few years, if they build properly, they can say, we don't care about the money. We care about bringing a championship team. The difference, of course, for New York is that you would hope the talent, the top level talent um, is as good or better, but potentially more importantly. And I say that with sincerity, but also not at the same time. How much depth does Phoenix have? Barely any. Sure, you can sign guys, but you also can't 
go on the, bar, the uh, buyout market anymore. That's not possible. So if you're the Knicks, the reason you take your time is because you can then have it to your advantage where you're consistently trading from depth because that's what the Knicks have been doing. They have been trading from their depth to upgrade their rotation. And that's the hope. And as this offseason starts to come into full swing and we'll have a clear picture of what's happening in just a couple of days, keep in mind that, yes, the Knicks are close. I mean, they were two games away from the Eastern Conference Finals. They had a very excellent season. Doesn't necessarily mean to push it to the limit to go too far. They've got to balance the present and the future, and they can do that. But there shouldn't be a ton of concern about, hey, well, when Jalen Brunson gets paid, it's, you know, it's disastrous. It, uh, not to say that was said on the pod, just the general idea. It's not. As long as the Knicks spend, and they should spend, because they're really wealthy, and they're a big market team, and let's face it, we could use a, a, a new Larry O'Brien trophy at MSG in Penn State, you know, above Penn Station. That's the important part. But it's not, the Knicks can't do this. It's, it's not can't, it shouldn't, right? They should or shouldn't, and they should spend. Just not necessarily right now. So they'll be fine. They've got a really good pilot, someone to steer the ship right now. Uh, I guess I just used two different means of transportation. Other teams are riding the bus. I don't know, renting a car, whatever. We're done with this. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to some questions and see what we got going for tonight. Um, okay. Uh, Justin's just given me an update that there are definitely some, uh, some questions about one particular player. They're coming up. I'm excited to see him. Let's rock and roll if we're ready. All right. First, Steve Savay. Thank you so much for the Super Chat contribution. What do you think would be a fair offer for Zach Levine? So when I did the Zach Levine pod, I walked away feeling like there were, I guess there were two goals when I was kind of making it. The first was, did I do a good enough job of showing how Zach Levine would fit into this front office's plans? And I felt, yes, I did a very good job with that. Seeing as how there are other people's opinions in terms of who Levine is as a player and the difficulty that could be from removing RJ Barrett from the equation, I thought this was a comfortable spot. Great. The other part, did I do a good enough job of showing what the value is for Zach Levine? And I lean towards no. I don't think I did. And I, it took time and it took reflecting on it and talking it through and everything. And I realized that when so many people were like, yeah, I'm totally game to get Zach Levine, I thought, okay. That's where maybe something got lost in translation. I, I set something into motion that shouldn't potentially be happening because it's all about the cost. Uh, so much of it is. And, uh, you know, if I say, hey, Zach Levine's available for a song, people are going to be like, great, cool, let's add him. But if he costs more than that, then the expectations that I set on the podcast, and it's not just me, I mean, granted, other people are entitled to their own opinions, but it's okay, well, this is where I thought it was going to be, and this is where it winds up. And I've been concerned about, okay, it's, you got to give to get. That's what I say a lot. But when I presented a trade of like, okay, you get RJ, you have Fournier, you get Obi moving maybe to a third team. Maybe it's to Chicago, but I wouldn't because of the luxury tax. I'm just a little skeptical, but who knows? Um, and then the unprotected pick in 2024. And I said, I believe the Wizards pick, which obviously has changed in value over time. So we're not going to include that. And then there's some other shenanigans with second round picks and first round picks. It didn't hurt. The trade didn't hurt, but that's because I am not necessarily as high on RJ 
in this specific role with how the front office is trying to move forward as a lot of other fans might be. So when considering that it's okay, well, what if you get to the point where it's two unprotected first round picks? That's where I start to get a little queasy because of Stepien. Um, what if you're putting in a manual quickly? That's where I don't love it because you really do need quickly to anchor your bench. He's a better player than that, but he's so good off the bench. But I think also more importantly, while I would love to see quickly continue here for the rest of his career, there's the question of is quickly better utilized as continuous soup for a legitimate star, not using Brunson or Levine salary, but Randall's and quickly's and picks. Where does that get you? What does that do? That sort of thought process. So, for some, if you really love RJ Barrett, then maybe what I presented is going to hurt, but I don't think it hurt enough for the way that fans saw it. So then there's the question of, okay, do we go back to the two unprotected first, where now you're basically not able to trade an unprotected pick until the end of the 2026 draft? That would sting. Uh, what if you're trading the 2024 unprotected first and the Mavs first? Uh the Pistons first, the Wizards first, um, and the Bucks first. That's that's a lot of firsts. I mean, that's four first round picks. Granted, the Wizards pick won't necessarily convey. And just a side note, obviously we would love the Wizards pick to convey because why wouldn't we? But there is something to be said of how valuable those second round picks could be if the Wizards are still stinking up the joint in 2026 and 2027, I want to say. So I'm not trying to spin it as, hey, this is better, but there's a certain point in which they do still have value. They're just far less. And as teams with a second round pick exception, as that comes into play, that's where you want to consider the value of that too. Because sure, you're turning one pick into two worse picks, but the Knicks found Jalen Brunson. Well, the Knicks didn't find him, but Jalen Brunson was found in that range. Mitchell Robinson was found in that range. Uh, there's a lot of really good young talent. I mean, we could talk about Jokic 41st. It's an anomaly, but but you can find excellent talent in that spot. So it's a question of if the, what the value is there. So in terms of what I think fair value would be for Zach Levine, I still maintain that it's, it's RJ Barrett because that is a good centerpiece to have in a deal. I think for the Bulls and how they operate, it's easier to sell RJ than it is to sell quickly. We as Knicks fans know what quickly is able to accomplish from your casual fan, the outside looking in, if you're trading Zach Levine, the appeal of picks and salary filler and the guy who came in second in the six man of the year competition, that might not move me. But also we know that quickly is better than that. It's just the role that he happens to be playing, but that's, I go back to RJ and Fournier, and draft pick compensation. It's a question of how many picks, what's going on there that I'm not sure. And I would feel better about moving the 2026 first unprotected than I would quickly because the avenues there are a little bit more extreme. Um, if you move quickly, you're a little leaner on the salary filler you can use. And it's just not something that I am comfortable with. Whereas the way that the Knicks are operating with their picks... I feel better that they could replace the 2026 first in some sort of trade. However, it might be, it could be as easy. Or, I mean, not, I don't know about easy, but maybe it's something like in 2025, if they needed to get access to a 2026 unprotected pick that they trade one of those picks, if they still have them um, 
to another team and that other team is able to give them something, but it still would probably be a protected pick still have stepping restrictions. So you figure it out as you go along, but you need to do some sort of planning. So Steve, a long winded way of answering your question is fair value for Zach Levine. A lot of it is also dictated by the market. If the bulls are interested and actively making calls on moving Zach Levine and the way Jake Fisher made it sound like it is active. um, We've, us Knicks fans and fans in general have freaked out for less when it's just listening to calls, but this is making the calls. That's initiative. Depends on what else is out there. I still look around the league and I think the market for Levine is not super strong, um, but it just takes one team. I think the best bet, if you like Zach Levine and you want him to be here, you want the Miami Heat to get Damian Lillard because to me, they are the number one threat. And if you don't want Levine, then you want more teams to get into the bidding war because then it gets too high. Maybe the Knicks say, this is too rich for our blood. We don't need this right now. So it depends on the market. Um, Depends on how comfortable the bulls are in taking back one unprotected pick as opposed to two. Um, That's, it's a boring answer and a long winded way of saying it, Steve, but it's, uh, I think it's it's more than I initially stated, but if it's too much more than that, like if it's quickly, you have to walk away. It's you don't need Levine. A, a bad deal is a bad deal. I'd rather have RJ Barrett and no deal than moving RJ Barrett for a bad deal. I don't see Zach Levine as a bad deal. I think you can use his contract for a lot of beneficial things. His trade kicker also would not likely convey based on the fact that his max is already like you can't have a trade kicker. And have it exceed what the max contract would be. So it wouldn't impact his salary to a larger extent. So that's probably what it is. More than what I said, but uh, uh, but hopefully not involving Emmanuel quickly. Maybe it's that second unprotected pick, in which case I'm really not happy. But I understand you have to give to get. So thank you, Steve. Darren Hood, I have a question, Jeremy. How do you feel about Zion to New York? And what will it consist of? Or do you think Levine is a better option? Uh, totally different scenarios here, but let's let's parse them out. So Zion to New York. I I'm so confused and so baffled by Zion. Uh, you know, like if you said to me, I really want Zion in New York, I'd say I'm hesitant, but also this is a buy low opportunity, so I understand. And uh, so you don't want Zion Williamson just based on everything that we've seen and the availability. I'd say I'm there with you, but also at a certain point, maybe we consider it because it still is Zion Williamson and it's a really good upside play. If I am the Pelicans and I'm moving Zion Williamson, I need to move him for something really good. And that isn't something that I think the Knicks currently employ uh, because Jalen Brunson's off the table and Julius Randall's fantastic, but Julius is not enough that you can't trade Zion at least what 24 five years on a contract, um, especially as the cap keeps going up. Julius is 29 years old um, or 28 turning 29 in November eligible for a new deal. Not this off season, but the next one is ticking clock. They have to pay people. It's just, it's a little too close for comfort if I'm new Orleans. So it's not necessarily that I like, absolutely not design. It's from the Pelicans perspective. If I'm trading this guy, even with a, relationship seemingly in tatters and Zion not playing many games. I need something that really jumps off the page in order for me to feel like I can sell this to my boss, to my fans and put a winning product on the floor. 
And if it's Scoot Henderson, it makes sense, right? You're getting top pick second or third overall in this draft. And you're, you're making a killing off of that. Essentially. You're saying we get eight, nine years of team control of Scoot Henderson. We hope he pans out, but he's a young player. That's something we can rally around Zion who it's not something the Knicks can really compete with. Um, And then at what point, how much equity are they putting into a package that still gets them a player who is fantastic when he plays, but when is he playing? He's missed so much time. It's hard to know if it's a motivation thing or if it's an injury thing. And if it's a motivation thing, that still has to have some sort of concern because yeah, maybe he wants to be in another city and a city he likes, but that's still, you still need that guy to come through for you. And if he doesn't, then you're in a worse position than you are right now. So in terms of Zion versus Levine, it's really more about, okay, what you have with Julius, right? You have the pull-up shooting and you have that with Jalen Brunson as well. And a big reason for me was to not move Julius and to add someone like a Jeremy Grant type. You now you have one pull-up shooter realistically in your starting lineup. I mean, Grant had some work with it, but he's not, he's an example, but he's like, he's not that much of a threat. That's what Julius does. So it's kind of, okay, you move one piece in and then you move the other piece eventually out. And I, do I think it's the most tenable? No, not necessarily, but I'm also trying to move it one piece at a time and you can reconfigure at some certain point. So it's not so much of a better option than not because I mean, Levine is not a better player than Zion Williamson is, but Levine, I mean, seems like you imagine Zion playing 77 games in a year. Uh, I can't, uh, or at least maybe that's all we have is to imagine it because I just don't see it as likely. So I'd say, look, just keep growing, keep building. If you can get Zion on a great deal, then obviously do it. The great deal is not going to be there because it's still Zion Williamson. The Pelicans don't have to move Zion. They don't, the Bulls don't have to move Levine, but they are much closer given the age and the size of the contract and how their core is operating and the financial concerns that come with Levine, but don't necessarily come with Zion because you can make some sort of other moves if you need to. So um, to wrap it up, yeah, just Levine fits more, but Zion is certainly a more talented player. Needs Zion on the court. Don't think Zion goes for anything less than what would essentially amount to being Scoot Henderson, but uh, we'll see how that pans out. Thanks, Darren. Jason M. Thoughts on KJ Martin as an OB replacement. He just signed with CAA and the Rockets have a team option for him this season. Um, I honestly don't know enough about KJ Martin to have uh, a significant opinion. I haven't been following him enough to feel like... um, what I say would be warranted. So uh, Jason, I'm not entirely sure. I will say in terms of the math, I mean, I would imagine it works somewhere in those lines, but are you moving? Are you trading OB? Is it a two team deal? Is it a three team deal? At what point do you consider just sticking with OB and then moving him at the deadline? Not saying that will happen, but just all things considered. Um, how much is KJ Martin spacing the floor? I'm sure he doesn't have a lot of playing time based on the fact that the Rockets just this crowded team. All of a sudden, they're, they need to do some consolidation of their own. But on the surface level, again, more of an uneducated guess than not, it doesn't make a ton of sense 
based on how the team is operating, based on maybe the Knicks feel they can find this replacement in free agency, um, in the draft, something that's a little bit more in their control. But uh, that's the uneducated guess. The educated guess would have to go to someone who has spent more time following KJ Martin than I have. So good question. You stumped me on that one. I appreciate it because uh, not entirely sure. Ah, Robert Cross. Thank you for the super chat contribution, Robert. I am just here as an anti-hero. Hashtag 53 wins. All right. Maybe you need to start calling you Taylor Swift because uh, the anti-hero thing shtick is uh, it's a little, little used, Robert. You're not the first person to get there, but uh, neither is Taylor, but at least she's made it more popular than you have. So thanks for the money. Appreciate it. <laughs> Hamdi M, thank you for the Super Chat contribution. Hey, Jeremy. So Levine, what is the line in the sand for him? What do you think would be too much for him? I wouldn't consider the Knicks desperate. Uh, so based on what I was saying with Steve earlier, I think the line in the sand based on where I am now compared to where I was with the, the cap or no cap is the two unprotected first. That being said, I would need to pull back on the protected first and I would not have a manual quickly be going in that deal. It'd be RJ, it'd be Fournier um, and it'd be potentially Obi just because the Knicks need to find a way to probably move more money out. Uh, and that's where Obi comes into play. And again, I know to some moving Obi out to use someone uh, to use the money to sign a backup for the MLE, you might as well just use Obi. I get that. But I think the one big thing that's plaguing the Knicks, and maybe they can get this in free agency, maybe they can't, we'll see, is the fact that the Knicks don't have someone that they can trust at the five who can space the floor. It's a really big issue. Um, they don't need to necessarily, at least in my opinion, Go all out to get a Porzingis type. I know there are some fans who really do like Porzingis. I get it. I get the appeal. I'd rather focus more on the backcourt um, or the 2-3 spot. Maybe even Randall, but uh, you know, still, I don't think that the deal is right to move Randall quite yet. We'll see, though. Uh, so that's probably where it would have to be. It's, it's cool. Chicago, you can get your RJ fix. You can get Fournier. You can have... Obi and move him somewhere if you don't want him. Um, and you get two unprotected firsts. But that's pretty much where I have to stop. Because of the fact that Levine is a better player than DeJounte Murray. He's more consistent, better shooter. Um, obviously has his concerns too. Don't get me wrong, but I would take Levine over. I would DeJounte Murray. DeJounte Murray, his salary was around $18 million. Levine, uh, it's more than two times that. So there is a financial risk that's coming into play. There's also the injury factor. Again, I don't see Levine as a very injury prone player, so to speak, because he has put together some healthy seasons since the ACL tear. Um, a lot of guys get hurt. A lot of guys miss time. We love Mitchell Robinson. He missed almost, what, 20 plus games last year? More than that. So I think we love can be blind. In this case, uh, I would have to say, He's a better player. Yes, all those factors, there are pros and cons to it. It's a better offer than what the Hawks gave up, which was Danilo Gallinari's expiring contract that the Spurs bought him out from. The protected pick from Charlotte that's unlikely to convey, at least, I mean, we'll see. Maybe it does if they make some sort of big trade, but I'm guessing no. Uh, and two unprotected firsts. Um, so you're certainly giving up more. And I don't think you should give up that much more if you're already working within the confines of moving RJ, moving Obi, moving at least one unprotected first. So I guess my line in the sand, those two unprotected first, RJ, Obi Fournier, 
No protected picks. That's where I think the Knicks should at most go. And I wouldn't love it, but you got to give to get. Thanks, Andy. Mino F. Yo, Jeremy, any last minute predictions before draft night? I'm hoping we can swing a trade for pods like you uh, mentioned, but he might have upped his stock too much. I'm not the draft guy. That's Chris. Chris uh, was talking to me today about Ben Shepard. Uh, I'm going to just pull up what Chris tweeted because I think it's especially appropriate and he can phrase it a lot more eloquently than I can. Chris said, if you take a look at Ben Shepard's numbers here um, and then add in the boxes he checks on the court regarding his late bloomer status, resulting in him starting out as a 6-1 combo guard and ending up a 6-6 wing with passing feel, four years of college, defense, etc., screams Walt Perrin's type. Um, and what Chris meant by the numbers here was a Jonathan Wasserman chart, which I've used in the past, which talks about Shepard's pull-up ability um, and his ability to hit shots off, the, uh, off screens. I mean, he he checks a lot of boxes, as Chris is saying. So question is, will he go too high? And another fascinating aspect here, we've talked about first round pick versus second round pick. We talked about the fact how in the past, first round pick, you get four years team control, last year's team options, then you're extension eligible, or you could hit restricted free agency. And second round picks, you are not on a scale. You can be signed to the minimum. You signed using a portion of the mid-level exception, but you're not going to hit year four as an unrestricted free agent. There's a second round exception that comes into play. I have no clarity on it. Teams don't have clarity on it because the CBA, unless I, I missed it and don't think I did, there has not been any word from the people, the cap people that I follow that the CBA is in the hands of teams, which is crazy because we are 48 hours away and teams don't have a full deck to play with. So how we don't know if the second round exception, and I say we again, fans, but also it seems that teams don't even have full clarity on if the second round exception, is there now a fourth year? And if that fourth year is the case, which I mean, again, you could have done that with mid-level exception, but at the end of that fourth year, is it restricted free agency? Are the picks 31 to 40 now gold or are they merely a very valuable diamond? I don't know. No one knows. That's the problem. So it's hard to predict where the Knicks could go because financially speaking, if they're pressed against the cap and they want to make the math work, it makes total sense for them to target someone in that early 30s range. And I mean, they had the 32nd pick in 2021. What they do? They traded with the Thunder. 34, 36. Rokas Gekabitis, Deuce McBride. So there's value that can be found in that range, but without knowing what some of the details are, it's hard for me to predict whether the Knicks should trade into the second round or should trade into the first round. Because I would be shocked if they didn't do either of those things. But financially speaking, don't have a clue. And so much of it depends on it, because as we've talked about, I don't expect the Knicks to go into the tax this year. So if that's the case, there's a Sizable difference between the 30th pick and perhaps the 31st pick at $1 million or however much it might be. The difference could be a lot for a team that doesn't have a lot of wiggle room. So um, my prediction, I'll channel Chris. I'm going to go with Ben Shepard. He knows his draft stuff. I defer to him. Ben Shepard, I'm excited for you to not be a Nick because of the fact that I've spoken into existence, but it was nice having you for a brief moment. So thank you, Mino.
For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenblum.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. Robert Cross. Yeah. Thank you again. If my fellow classmate trades Levine for RJ, I will find him. Hashtag 53 wins. Uh, I guess Robert is talking about how he has a a former classmate who has a lead role of some capacity in the uh, front office of the Chicago Bulls. Uh, All right. So you'll find him. What are you going to do next, Robert? Is that a threat? You're going to harm this man? Is this taken? You're going to have a call to... uh, to them Liam Neeson style because I'd like to see Robert Cross and the remake of Taken I think that'd be pretty fantastic um, so yeah let's I'm excited for your uh, your big theatrical debut on the on the silver screen Robert thank you uh, Juno from Reddit if you could have any player in the NBA not named Jokic Curry and LeBron who would you want and what would be uh, what would the offer be to get them that's a great question. I mean, I I almost feel compelled to go with Giannis just because it's it's Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, it just he attracts so much fantastic attention. Perfect age based on what you're looking for. I mean, even LeBron would be a good fit despite the age factor, of course. Uh, yeah, I think I'd go with Giannis. I'm a huge Tatum fan, but they're just he's still missing that, that final, not clutch. Cause he's clutch, but like that final nail in the coffin gene, it's just not quite there, but man, is he fantastic? I'll go with you honest offer to get him. Uh, I mean, if we're talking about a year from now, Randall quickly picks, whatever that is. I'm just very curious about the direction Milwaukee goes next for a lot of these teams. A lot of the really good teams, they have cores that are just a few more years. And then from there, it's kind of, uh, there's a new guard and that's where the Knicks can really strike. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to having someone like Giannis on my team. So yeah, if I can't pick those three, I guess I'll go with him. SGA is an honorable mention for sure. Um, Booker. Love Devin Booker. Yeah, I'll stick with Giannis. Though. I think mean, it's a it's a safe safe bet. And Luca, honorable mention too, but Giannis it is. John Reynolds, what do you think about Kuzma four for seventy two sign and trade Fournier and Washington pick? The Kuzma sign and trade would be a bit difficult based on. I'd have to chart out exactly how four seventy two would configure with that, but um, it's it's not the easiest i mean just quick math says it's 18 million dollars a year okay 
So uh, the sign and trade portion of it, you deal with base year compensation. That's somewhat of a factor based on Fournier's salary. The Wizards would need to clear a lot more money in order for that to happen or that you'd have to go to a third team. Uh, case in point, it's just so complicated that it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Kuzma is also really more of a four. So if you're bringing Kuzma in, you have to move Randall because they're not going to operate well. And RJ plays like a smaller four all pretty much all the time as is. So you're now operating with just three guys. If you kept all of them who their game is just predicated on being more of a power forward, obviously they can do different things, but it just, it takes a lot more roster construction. So I think the easiest thing, if you're Kuzma is to just sign outright with another team like Sacramento or Indiana, or, you know, wherever it might be sign and trade possibilities um, for sure, but it's not going to be the easiest to finagling, especially if you're the Knicks. So he has options. Knicks aren't really one of them because of antiquated CBA laws that, should still be in the new CBA. So uh, I just don't think it's going to be very realistic. And the off chance it is that math is so painful that I, I don't even want to deal with it, but let's just go with the safe assumption that it's just not feasible to do. Thanks, John. Juanon, thank you for the super chat contribution. Can't catch this live. Just want to support and have a question. Thank you. Herb Jones. <laughs> Junon, I love the fact that you keep going on the Herb Jones route. You're consistent with it. I appreciate it. Uh, Did Mariah Mills wreck my dream of him in a New York uniform? Uh, Pelicans are going to have to pay someone after swapping Zion out. Salute KFS. Thanks for the content. I feel like Zion's own body is impacting uh, the dream of him in a Knicks uniform. But then again, if he were super healthy enough to play, would he be attainable? Probably not. I think this is probably icing on the cake and it's just another distraction that, that, that from a whole list of distractions that the Pelicans have had to deal with since the moment Zion got there. I mean, Zion getting ushered out of uh, the draft lottery room when he found out New Orleans was there. I'm sure there were other teams he wanted to go to, like the Knicks, like Atlanta. Wasn't meant to be. So, um, I... I think Mariah Mills was the straw that broke the camel's back for your dream. I think the Blazers or the Hornets holding a top three pick also probably did not help your case. So, uh, yeah, I, I just wouldn't expect it. But if it happens, then we got a lot of uh, a lot of new conversations that we weren't necessarily expecting to have. But I just am a little dubious based on. All of the reasons, every single one of them. But thank you, Junon. Handy M, thank you. Uh, with regards to Dolan, just finished listening to Reign of Error. Any impact on spending with regards to the MSV, MSG Sphere project? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I'd have to ask the CFO of uh, <laughs> who's heading up that how he feels, how Dolan's impacted by it. I, you know, I think the value of the Knicks is just there to such a degree. And I would hope that the Knicks have saved Dolan enough money. Keep in mind that the first year this front office took over, the Knicks just barely hit the cap floor thanks to a Luca Vildoza signing and then some other signings here and there that just kind of came about, like Miles Powell for a day. Um, but in terms of the impact on spending, I mean, 
there should be none. There's nothing that should be stopping the Knicks from spending tons of money to support what should be the best team that they have had in 30 years. Nothing should stop them. It's not my money. And that's cool. And so since it's not my money, I'm telling them that they should spend as much money as possible to build a sound contender. And they can do that. They legitimately can do that. And they might not have a choice because, again, you get a big name in the door. Maybe it's this summer. Maybe you get a big name in the door next summer or the summer after. And then you have to pay Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson's not going to sign for a discount. At least I don't think he will. So you probably do have a scenario with three max players. The difference is you already have a lot of your depth here in New York that you've been cultivating and growing because you've been biding your time because there shouldn't be a clock where the Knicks have to be a contender by this point. Just keep building, keep growing and you're doing well. So uh, Hamdi, I would hope that there is no impact on spending, but I would imagine it depends a little bit on the greater economy too. Um, I would imagine that another pandemic might be a little bit of an issue, but knock on wood that we do not have that and we don't have to worry about it. So uh, global catastrophes aside and economic damages that might result in general, the Knicks should have enough money to spend. The Knicks should spend. I want them to spend. We should all want them to spend. We should all want billionaires to spend. It's their money. Spend it. It's our enjoyment. Screw it. Thanks, Andy. Kevin Danishevsky, thank you for the super chat contribution. Uh, it's fair and reasonable to say we will not be. Uh, it's fair and reasonable to say what we will not be discussing. Kevin and I have been going back and forth on uh, a topic. I'm going to describe it anyway, yeah, Kevin. Um, in terms of how close the Knicks truly are from contention, Kevin sees them as right on the doorstep. I see them as a bit further away than that, but I see the timeline in a couple of years, and that's that. Who is the biggest star you see moving this offseason and to whom? I'm still going to go with Dame. I I just want them to end it. It's such an ugly divorce. Uh, it's like arguing in front of the kids, but it's like in a passive aggressive way. And it just just be confrontational. Look, just to, just say what you want. Portland clearly wants to rebuild, but they don't want to say, hey, we forced Dame to get out because everyone loves Dame and that's going to be a tricky situation. And Dame doesn't want to be looked at as the guy who asked out because he's been saying for years, I want to win here. Well, Bradley Beal just walked out the door. He just left a situation that was not tenable and they wanted to rebuild. And he said, cool, I'm going to Phoenix. Dame could do the same thing. And so I imagine, you know, we'll see if this comes true. Maybe it doesn't. The Trailblazers keep fielding these offers. But the language that they're using is, you know, we're just not loving the offers we're getting and we're comfortable picking three. Maybe that's posturing. I'm sure that's a part of it. I also just don't believe it. I, they strike me as a team that would love to just move on in some way, shape, or form. They want to rebuild. They brought in Mike Schmitz. They brought, they bolstered up a lot of their drafting and that was important. They need to do that regardless. But Let's just get this over with. Just, just we know you want to go to Miami, Dame. You have the cachet. You don't have a no trade clause, but you have used you've so much leverage in this situation. Where Portland says, you know, we just didn't have a good offer. We didn't want it. It wasn't worth third pick. We wouldn't have been giving a, a fair teammate around Dame. It wasn't worthwhile. So we just didn't, and we're willing to deal with the consequences. And then Dame says, uh, yeah, well, the consequences are I don't want to be here. And then Miami says, okay. We know our windows now. It's three years. Let's make this work. 
the idea that uh, the Blazers are offering three for Bam. If I'm Miami, I I would take that for whatever it's worth. As crazy as that might seem, I, I don't think they will. It doesn't seem practical. It just just get it over with. Move on, Damian Lillard. Seek happiness in South Beach or anywhere else. I don't care. Just for all of our sakes, end it. So, Kevin, I'm going to go with uh, Dame because I just want it to be over with. And I would imagine everyone else does, too. So thank you for the Super Chat contribution, Kevin. Mike Conrad, thank you for the contribution. I'm not fond of investing too much into centers, but hard to ignore how much a stretch five would help. What do you think of Miles Turner? Well, not better than Mitch being a better fit for this team. Mike, I'm with you. I am not the biggest proponent of centers who are major floor spacers. I think it's important. Um, You definitely want someone who doesn't just operate around the dunker spot. Um, You want someone, I mean, forget about taking three pointers, taking five foot shots, um, floaters, anything, anything that gets the Knicks a little bit more uh, diverse on the offensive end. That's what you want. Turner certainly would provide that. Um, there is that trade-off on the defensive end. He's, he's obviously a good defender. Don't get me wrong. The rebounding does concern me. Similar with Porzingis. Um, the way I see it is you have to really be great one through four, and then you can find a way to move off of five. Not generally, just in the Knicks specific situation. Why? Well, the Knicks have RJ Barrett, Knicks have Julius Randle, Two players who have not been efficient in their careers. They have Jalen Brunson, who is. They have Quentin Grimes, who definitely is. And they have Mitch Robinson, who is an efficient player. But Mitch is so great at cleaning up all of the misses. You need you need a garbage man. That's essentially what he's doing. And he's able to put them back. If you swap him out, but keep the other players who are missing the shots in, you are giving possessions to the other team. And then... You have to deal with transition, transition defense, uh, half-court defense, which was not good last year, um, takes a hit because, sure, you, 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 you're you replacing Mitchell Robinson with someone you like on the defensive end in Kristaps Porzingis, in Miles Turner. But I'm concerned about their durability. Um, I'm concerned a little bit about Mitch's as well, but the, the act of the devil you know versus the devil you don't, I, for now, would take the devil I know. It comes down to, well, what if you swapped out RJ? What if you swapped out Randall? And then when you're at the point where there's a lot less garbage to clean up, you find someone who can do a good job of it, but that's not necessarily their central goal. You know, like, maybe you eventually find a way to get Jaron Jackson Jr. a couple of years from now. And you say, yeah, we could do a five out. We don't have to rely on it, but we have the option. That sort of thing. So I get the idea and the desire behind adding someone who can offer more on the offensive end and still provide strong rim protection on the defensive end. If it's a good offer, I get it. I would just rather use the contracts and the salary if the Knicks aren't going into the tax on a player like Levine, on a pull-up threat at the guard position. Scale, I guess, down in this case um have a lot of your higher earnings guys be guards obviously julius if he's still there or rj would be making good money and then let the centers who are paid less stay there and then figure that part out a little bit later don't have to rome wasn't built in a day 
I just don't see it as a as an inherent need. With that said, if other things don't work out and the Knicks want to improve the team and they see this as an option, I get it. Just not my first choice. Probably not even my second or my third choice. Um, I like Mitch as things stand. Get the appeal. Just just don't think the timing is exactly right, but depends on the market. So thank you, Mike. Ben Kim Gurvey, we are at a point where we need to acquire low variability players. Every star, stars in quotation marks, we're discussing is high variability, injury, heart, etc. This feels like a dangerous move. No, Ben, I hear you. The pushback I would give is that if there are players where these variabilities, these concerns are not found, they are either not on the market or too expensive. And that's the thing. You have to take some sort of risk because if these moves were no brainers, you'd see how many teams jumping in. And that is the problem. And that's where I think if you are hesitant, that's where you might say, well, let's just keep things as is because I know what we've got. I know the, the ability to stick with the status quo. This team did well last year. You don't make too many big moves. I hear that. But as I mentioned earlier, love is also blind. So there are trade-offs. Yes, with a player like Levine, you are having more injury concern than you would with RJ, right? Because Levine has more knee troubles. Levine also played more games than RJ did last year. Um, if you want Zion Williamson, uh, great. If you don't want him because of all the injuries and and the character, well, not character, but questions off the court and how that might impact day-to-day and all that stuff, I get it. But also... How often does a player like Zion maybe on the trade block? So I'm with you in terms of wanting low variability, but I don't think the Knicks are able to do that quite yet because that's not where the market is. The low variability would have been to someone like Donovan Mitchell, who had far fewer question marks. But again, it, was, it came down to cost. Uh, it came down to the ability to pair multiple small players as great as they are on offense together and how that might look didn't look great for Cleveland. Um, obviously it would be different circumstances in New York, but it's worth questioning. So it's hard to find the perfect player. I get it. You need to take some risks. There are always going to be risks. Even the high or the, excuse me, even the low variability guys that might be out there. Anything could happen. They could, they could get hurt and, uh, Everything kind of goes up and spoke. So just inherent risk, whether you stay, whether you go, moves you make. Um, obviously, some risk is more calculated than others. Totally understand that. But I think the Knicks do need to take some risk. They've been very risk averse last few years, and it's paid off well. So there's reason for them to keep going on that track. But I think in order to get to the next level, they've got to take a little bit more risk. And there are players who are available where I don't know if I'd call them risky, but I would certainly say there is risk involved. That's just how I see it with you with love, low variability. It doesn't seem like the market's dictating that. And I think the Knicks need to upgrade the roster in a way that has them performing at a higher level. But thank you. Chris Bernard, two prong question, Jeremy. One, could you swing Caruso? And what would the added price be for him? And two, what would a Zion deal look like? Start with Caruso. I would imagine that you could get Caruso for the Mavs first and 
a lightly protected Knicks pick. Yeah, I'll say that. Um, I think that's a little too rich. I, again, I think the Caruso itch, similar to OG and Anobi, was scratched with Josh Hart. Um, they're different players, don't get me wrong, but in terms of like the defensive mentality that they bring and the fact that the Knicks still love their pull-up guys and they, they want a lot, and they're only so many minutes, and the salary, it's hard to get Caruso's money in here. Um, you could do it, but it just... You know, like, okay, you're moving Obi because that's where the math works. Great. You get Caruso, but you're adding like $3 million to your payroll and you don't have any breathing room with the mid-level exception with the tax. And you don't have an easy way of replacing Obi unless you're signing a journeyman to a minimum contract. And the Knicks have shown very little interest in doing that outside of Taj Gibson the first season he came back. And Taj really only played because Mitch went down or yeah, Mitch went down with an injury. So it's hard to get all the pieces to work. You could do it, but it's tricky. So I I don't expect it as for what a Zion deal would look like. I mean, how do you top a second or third overall pick potentially how many unprotected picks and young talent equates to what they're looking for? I mean, it's probably, let's see. We have to move Randall in some capacity, whether it's New Orleans or another team. Grimes, I would guarantee he's gone because you've got two years of cheap control. I would imagine that the Pelicans prefer that to quickly who gets paid a year earlier and the Pelicans have their own money to worry about. Yeah, uh, multiple unprotected picks and uh, some protected picks. And I don't think the math, yeah, the math actually probably gets you around there. Probably does. Maybe you have to put Mitch in there. It's a lot um, because quantity is often greater than quality. Quality is greater than quantity. And if you've got the second or third pick and you get scoot for eight, nine years, like I said, that is a better path in the eyes of a cost controlled team, small market organization like the Pelicans that already has a need for consolidating their roster as is. So uh, it probably have to be a three team deal. Three-team deals are tricky. Fully admit that. Possible, but just difficult. So, uh, it'd be a lot. It would be a lot. And again, how often is he playing? How healthy is he? And imagine if the Knicks traded for him, they'd feel good about his health. Still concerning. Still concerns me. Thank you, Chris. Dylan, question. What is the range of pick you believe we could you believe we could get for Obi in this upcoming draft? 18 to 24, 25 to 30, second round. Uh, I would say closer to the 25 to 30 range. Again, like we've been saying for a while, the Obi to Indiana trade makes total sense. That's why I don't expect it to happen. They have picks in 26th, 29th, and 32nd, I want to say. So those are certainly up for grabs. Uh, you know, I mean, it's like Rui Hachimura, who, I mean, stock certainly raised in the playoffs, but when he was acquired, uh, his stock was on the lower end. It was three second round picks and not all second round picks are created equal. So maybe you find a way to move him to a team that has a high second round pick this year and a couple decent second round picks. I just don't, 
I think that's the best way to utilize Obi's value. I, I really feel it's more as a consolidation piece in a larger deal because when it comes to second round picks, you can pay cash. Um, you can trade other seconds. You can move other players if you needed to. I mean, no one in this case, so I'd imagine for the Knicks, but there's more to operate with. And with Obi, it's harder because now you have to find a team that also has cap space or is willing to use an exception to take him on. But if we're talking like, yeah, the Knicks had to move Obi into the draft, um, probably 25 to 30. And if that were too steep for a team, do the Knicks kick in a weak second just for the optics? Uh, probably not. I would doubt it. But um, yeah, so I'll say anything past 25 is fair. Um, but there's a I mean, the, the floor would have to be at least 40. Like half, I mean, and it wouldn't just be the 40th pick. It would be other picks involved too. Um, they'll turn him into something decent. It just won't be obviously recouping the value that he was eighth overall. Um, it's just the, the simple nature of it. Dirty Dancer. I am okay with Levine for RJ. IQ is out of the question for me, though. Not giving up a potential two-way killer. Uh, I'm with you. Yes, I still think based on IQ, his role, his money, everything that's going to be coming down the line, that there is a greater conversation to unfortunately be had with IQ. Should not be now. That's that's how I feel. I understand the idea behind, okay, if you put RJ and IQ and Fournier in a deal for Levine, you get to keep your picks. It frees you up to keep going, star chasing. I get it. It's not where I'm at. It's not a point where I'm like, yeah, I'm sold. I'd hate it, but I'm sold. It's no, I, I think that's poor usage of how IQ can benefit the Knicks down the line, whether it's on the team or helping the Knicks to get a larger piece moving forward. So I'm with you, Dirty Dancer. I'm with you. Manny Campos, thank you for the Super Chat contribution. Would a sign and trade for KP or Kuzma make sense? Would Evan Fournier to match salary, a secondary young guy, Obi or Deuce, and return for their first be enough to entice the Wiz to participate since they are likely to leave? Well, we talked about Kuzma and the difficulties with sign and trades uh, and the Knicks, but let's talk about KP. If KP does a sign and trade, similar boat to Kuzma, uh, a little different based on potential salaries, um, but but still not going to be easy. KP opting in would be the easiest way for the Knicks to get him. Uh, that would be no restrictions. You can use Fournier and Obi to get Porzingis, like that type of move. Yes, that you could do it. It just wouldn't be if there's a sign and trade. So if you're rooting for Porzingis to be on the Knicks, you have a better chance of it happening if he opts in. Uh, if you are not rooting for Porzingis to the Knicks, you want him to opt out. If he does opt in, it does not mean, obviously, that he's destined to be in New York once again. But there's a certainly a, a factor in it. I'm curious if, you know, what if Porzingis does come to New York, but it's not the Knicks? I don't think that the Nets are ready to give up on Claxton. Uh, just gut feeling. I don't think it's going to happen. It was more just kind of a what if, but I don't see that happening either. My fear is he goes to Boston because that would just be, makes sense on so many levels. Um, so, so, so many levels, but 
Uh, hopefully it doesn't happen um, because he'd be really good for Boston. And uh, that'd be a little bit of a, a concerning thought. So yeah, Kuzma really tricky with the sign and trade, not impossible, but really difficult. KP also difficult, likelier he opts in and gets moved. That would make more sense based on the Knicks and finagling a trade. And now, a quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Bird Dogs. Do you want a pair of shorts that aren't just comfortable, but make you look good? Well, Bird Dogs has just what you need. Their stretch khakis are designed to fit slimmer, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. That's because they aren't like regular shorts, which are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Instead, they invented a cloud-knit fabric that looks just like khakis, but stretches. Now, you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs also use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all summer long. So I'll ask again, want to look good while being comfortable? Don't hesitate. Head to birddogs.com to check out their full catalog of shorts, pants, and so much more. You can also use the promo code POOL to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. Again, that's birddogs.com. That's bird. B-I-R-D, dogs, D-O-G-S, dot com, and promo code POOL, P-O-O-L, to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. What's up, Knicks fans? Super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made just for you. Oakley's changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train, or just want to look like your favorite athlete? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self and an expression of your personality, with Oakley, there's more than meets the eye. Here at Knicks Film School, our motto is look good, play good, and that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. Not a one of us leaves the house in the morning without our Oakleys. And listen up, because it's officially almost summer, which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game now. Check out Oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. Also, did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? Now, I know what you're thinking. GMAC, what the hell is that? Well, it's a technology solely used by Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and check it out for yourself. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses. That'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Ryan Huang, thank you for the super chat. Hi, Jeremy. Love the cap or no cap. You've converted me into a Levine guy. Not knowing much about the cap, how can the Suns still fill out the roster with Beal? Uh, well, thank you. Really appreciate the compliment. Ryan, I would say that the way that the Suns can fill out the rest of the roster, they basically have to run it back with their core. Um, and by core, I mean their free agents. So if they don't care about money, and it seems like Ishbia doesn't, he should bring back Tory Craig on the most he can give him, which should be 120% of his salary memory serves something along those lines. Uh, similar with uh, Jock, similar with a Kogi. 
there's only so much they can do. But if they keep inflating their salary, it gives them more breathing room for matching in a trade. And matching a trade, the rules are different now based on them being a second tax apron team. Even though the, the penalty won't come into effect until later, they still have to abide by various rules and, and laws. And that's where it makes a lot more sense for them to just bring those guys back. And then the deadline, they could say, okay, what's working? What isn't? I don't think Aiton moves at the deadline. Actually, I don't think Aiton moves this summer just based on how conversations seem to be going. And if that's the case, then you keep him and you figure it out later and you try to move him for quantity. I know I've talked about quality is greater than quantity, but then the Suns have quality. They've got Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Bradley Beal. It's now quantity and they can't scour the buyout market after the deadline because they're not allowed as a second tax apron team. So run it back as best you can. If you're Phoenix, try to get someone who's interested. And if you can move Deandre Ayton for depth, do it, but don't make a bad deal. There's no rush to move him. Playoffs don't start until April, 2024. The deadline isn't until probably February 7th, 10th, something like that. Um, so you've got time. So that's how I would recommend that they operate, Ryan. But thank you. Hamdi M, thank you again. I know this is water under the bridge. What could have been done this past year to increase Obi's value? Or is this really his true value? That's a great question. I was thinking about this today. Where obviously the Knicks did not anticipate Julius Randle becoming this version of Julius Randle. And that impacted Obi. I think in a perfect world, if the Knicks felt Julius is our guy, we want to stick by that. They could have moved Obi earlier. That being said, they didn't know Obi would have more, a more disappointing third season. I think if Obi progressed, he would have seen more time, but he's just not viewed as a five. He's viewed as a four. And that is an issue with a team that has a significant investment in a player who was at the four, who I believe said on the uh, Paul George podcast he was on that it's not really his thing. Um, I, I think I saw that floating around. It just He's not a five. So how do you make it work with two fours, neither of whom's a five? You probably don't. Uh, you know, again, I, I was upset by it. I stand by it. But I understand the issues. And I think with Obi, he's so good in transition, right? And a lot of his points come from Leaking out helps create advantages. He is fantastic in terms of running. Yes, you need him to shoot. You do. And he had a high volume. And the concern that I saw for a lot of the season was the Knicks are not using Obi properly. The Knicks should be using Obi better. I get it. I also feel like that's what's said about RJ. And... There are other players where it feels like it's said too. And it gets to a certain point where, yeah, you want your coach and your team to be creative 100%. Some of the best coaches, the best coaches, are ones who build systems around their players and not find players who necessarily fit into it. Completely hear that. The problem <laughs> is that at a certain point, if everyone is kind of zigging when you need them to zag and they're not going to zag, you can't just throw your hands up, be like, they should be building around that player and that player. There are so many, 
you got you can't just have salmon going upstream. You need to have something that flows. And if it's not flowing with Obi, and a lot of it came down to the shot, it's a huge problem. It's a really big problem for a team that needs him to be something he's not. And we could say that's wrong. He should be who he is. Great. Yes. But then how does that impact everything? Because everything else is kinetic. So he shouldn't be here. They should have moved him. Yeah, I think they should have at a certain point. But I understand why they would have held on to him. The Knicks have never been one to move hastily on something. I mean, that's something they should consider doing more of. Moving him out. I, I don't think the Knicks stunted his development. I think if anything, you're looking at a situation where the Knicks are saying, if you want to thrive in this league, if you want to be a John Collins type, you got to shoot like John Collins did, where I think he hit 40% from three one year. That's not what Obi has been able to do. So there are challenges, but the Knicks have been trying to diversify Obi's offensive game. It just hasn't panned out. And it sucks, really sucks, but you can't save everyone. Not everyone's going to be there. Again, yes, absolutely blame the Knicks in terms of how his value has depreciated from what was the eighth overall pick to now. But the truth is a lot of these guys in the NBA have seen their values plummet. Even a lot of the top guys where they just, they're nowhere near that. And it's a shame. Wish they could all pan out, but they don't. And because we focus on our team, because it's our team, we lose sight of so many of the players that other teams drafted that just had even worse careers. But we don't give them second thought because we don't give them second thought. So, Hamdi, um, I would have liked to have seen more Obi and a little less Julius, especially the 2021-22 season when it really hit the fan. This year, Julius was all NBA. And neither was it capable of playing the five in Tibbs' eyes. And it was hard to replace Obi when there wasn't a suitable replacement. I wanted him gone to the deadline for his own sake, for everything. That was the wrong call. It was. They, they kept him around and he actually, it paid off later, especially for a little bit in the playoffs. And um, that game where Randall was benched, you needed Obi to come through and he did. So it was really important. Sometimes it's just not the right environment, not the right fit, not the right timing. Unfortunately, the case with Obi. I wish him well, and if it's if it's still here, that's great. And if it's elsewhere, which I expect, Obi crushes it. I really do. Thank you, Robert Cross. Yes, uh, Arturis Karnasovas and I are classmates. Hashtag Hall in. Hashtag fifty three wins. That's a Seton Hall grad. Yep, there it is. I didn't want to dox you or your your. Uh, alma mater really your age although we know how old you are robert um we know that now because we did a podcast with you where you said you were 50 years old yeah you know but yes you are classmates hope you star and taken the remake <laughs> xj Oh, thank you for the super chat contribution. Good to see you. JC, how slash why did you become the cap goat? What's your superhero origin story? I paid for this, so you have to answer knife emoji. I appreciate the threat of violence. I I would have done it just for the money, but the threat of uh, of the knife makes me actually more invigorated and more encouraged to tell you this story. So um, here's where it probably started. I did a lot of writing and some podcasting with podcasting came later 
when I was in college for a New York sports and culture blog, talked about the Knicks. It's funny because that was uh, 10 years ago. Time flies. And looking back, I didn't know anything. I, I still feel like I don't know anything and I'm still learning. But then I really didn't know anything. And I just wrote about the team and nothing, nothing really struck with me. But then there was just something about, and I think uh, Drew, um, Scooter Toots, who is with the Strickland, he would post sometimes on Reddit about the salary cap. And we would bond over that way back when. And it was that, and it was also just, there's so many moving pieces. It's like a giant logic puzzle with numbers. And it's funny because I, growing up, was really not a math guy. If you can believe it, math was not, I wasn't bad. I just didn't love it. I was a humanities guy, history, all that stuff, business. It, it, the money stuff didn't really come into play. And then it just was really fun to see, okay, this piece fits like that. And then that piece fits like that. But if you put that piece in before this piece, it doesn't work. And there's so many different rules and permutations and it's exhausting as hell. And I get things wrong. And this new CBA is only going to make my life even more frustrating. Uh, But that'll be fun to learn. And it's so complicated and complex. I just really enjoyed it. And the big thing with when John and I were getting started was we wanted to figure out what was different about us, how we could grow. And we didn't know that from the beginning. It kind of evolved in that way. But the way it wound up going was... There's just a lot of misinformation out there and a lot of confusion. And I started to see what wasn't as confusing as I had before. And I felt this would be really good to share. And we can be really fun and creative and dream while dreaming realistically. And then we don't have egg on our face or we're not super upset about things that didn't happen because we don't understand them. And it's just been a wild, awesome ride since then and uh wouldn't want to wouldn't want to do it anywhere else really wouldn't and i work with a, a fantastic team like xj like john like andrew like justin like chris like some naming everyone now uh sean mensa uh oh my god dj benji oh no i'm gonna uh, jeremy harrison i feel like i'm gonna forget someone and then uh they're more than welcome to uh chastise me and if i did i apologize but uh, yeah, that's my ser- superhero origin story. I know it's not as exciting as being bit by a radioactive spider. Spider's second movie. Incredible, by the way, if you haven't seen it. Most visually stunning movie I've seen in ages. Go do that. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I've i loved it. It's been a joy. So thank you, XJ, for uh, for making me disclose that with a knife. I appreciate that. Dirty answer. If Nas Reed requires more money than the MLE, is he worth getting hard capped for? No, but also I don't see Nas Reed getting more than the MLE. If you look at a lot of the guys and how they're paid, and I understand it's proportionate to the cap, not a lot of backup bigs are getting paid $12.2 million or more. It's a very slim list. So I don't expect Nas to get what Bill Simmons was like, $16 $16 million. Like I, I just would be shocked at that being the case. I feel like he makes a lot more sense somewhere in the Hartenstein amount where it's, uh, you know, 9 million, maybe pushing 10 million. 
I just don't think it's going to exceed that. And if it is, I think that's quite frankly an overpay. If you have Nas coming off the bench, if he's a starter, then you've got a really cheap deal for a starter. But I don't, I don't think that's where he goes. I, I feel like he is much better suited as a solid bench player, more of a five, but can play the four. Um, hopefully he can do more of the four just to be more versatile. Um, so he's, I guess in some capacity, like, you know, you, you still do get hard capped if you spend more than the non-tax MLE, which $10 million would be. So it is worth getting hard capped for that. It just isn't worth going into the luxury tax to potentially get Nas Reed. Um, which is why I expect the Knicks to make moves to trim their payroll. And that would require consolidating some of their assets. And uh, that's a huge reason why I proposed if the Knicks wanted Zach Levine, why this makes sense because it clears up cap space to create an opportunity to sign a mid-level exception candidate, but they can't really do that with ease right now based on the finances. So thank you. Dirty dancer. Great question. Zach. Thank you for the Super Chat contribution. What up, Jeremy? How confident are you that the Knicks will trade into the draft on Thursday? What package will they send out to get in? I would say I'm pretty confident that they're going to do something. Going two years without any sustainable pick is really difficult to do, especially when you consider the finances that will happen down the line when guys need to get paid and you want salary at your disposal. So, you know, we did the whole draft trading in very curious if the Knicks love, I mean, absolutely love a prospect if they'd be comfortable trading with the Rockets at 20. Seems the Rockets don't want that pick anymore. That could work. Um, I still I still expect them to try to nab someone with some of their excess second round picks. It's just what they've tried to do in the past. And um, I don't know if you believe it or, you know, when when. I'm going to butcher the Maya Angelou quote, but when someone shows you who they are, believe them. That's kind of how I see it in terms of with that pick. I don't think it was, um, I think it was random that the Knicks said, we'll give you our first round pick, but it's lottery protected. And if it doesn't convey, you get a whole bunch of seconds. They recognize how important the seconds are and they clearly value those seconds. Like what, um, Porter jr. Uh, Ken Porter Jr. was acquired for with the 30th pick a few years ago with the um, with the Cavs. So that's my number one guess trading in that way. Then I'd say trading in with Obi, and then I'd say trading in with a future first that then could be conveyed now. But thank you, Zach. Capo underscore one two nine one. Salute, Knicks gang. Thoughts on an Obi Isaiah Hartenstein package for Aiton. Well, let's see. You need more money for that to work. So presumably Fournier. Uh, The Suns certainly get more depth with this. Um, As I've mentioned before, I'm really not an Aiton fan. I'm not an Aiton fan on this team. Uh, I'd rather have Mitchell Robinson here. Uh, I understand that the counting stats for Aiton are better than Mitch. Just the motivation seems lacking the Rim protection is just not quite there uh, in the way that Mitch can provide the rebounding too. I like Aiden's face up game, but not at the point of sacrificing Obi and Hardshine. And yeah, I mean, Mitch isn't going to come off the bench uh, in order for Aiden to be here. So actually the math would 
be a lot closer if you had Obi and Mitch, then you wouldn't need Hartenstein. You wouldn't need, definitely wouldn't need Hartenstein, but you wouldn't need um, Fournier most likely. So uh, again, not an Aiton fan wouldn't be resistant to this. I also think that the Knicks would have to chip in more like Mitch in order for this to work. Um, so I get the concept. I'm just, I'm out on it just based on my feelings for Aiton, but I understand where you're coming from. Dirty Dancer. Only way I include IQ in a deal for Levine is if Caruso somehow comes back cheaply. Yes, it just it's the money. Um, what's going out in order for the Knicks to now have more flexibility and are able to skirt the tax if that's what they want? It's tough. The mo- I've tried looking at it. I know XJ is a huge Caruso fan, so I was trying to look at it for him, and it's, it's just really difficult to get there. So I, I would... But again, it's not my money. It's not our money. The Knicks should be able to spend. I understand why this year they would not want to go into the tax. It's the future years where I fully expect them to and need them to. But this year, I get why they wouldn't. Joseph Raimondi. Does taking on Lonzo in a Levine deal lessen the price make any sense for the Knicks? It does not. Um, I've thought about it. And the reason I don't think it does is because you're not getting any of Lonzo. Um, he's unplayable. I mean, it doesn't seem like he's going to play next season. He may never play again. You need to turn Lonzo into something. You basically would need Lonzo to be continuous soup and the contract and the lack of ability availability so bad that it's hard to get there. It's hard to do that. So uh, the other thing to consider the bulls get 80% of his salary. If he misses the whole season, they recoup that. So if Reinsdorf is as frugal as uh, he is and he is makes a lot of sense for them to say, yeah, we're cool. Just stringing it along. We're oh no, Lonzo's definitely coming back. Oh, well, the surgery he's out he can't play so we'll recoup his money that is a more likely scenario in my mind then oh we'll take the money off your hands completely because uh they could make a, a nice amount back nice amount back so Ben King Gurvey. Uh, thank you for the super chat contribution thank you Jeremy and KFS what is the draft day plan Great question. Uh, as I just mentioned, you know, I still like the idea of trading seconds and late into the first or fewer seconds to get into the early second round. But if there's a prospect they love in the early twenties, late twenties, make it work. Um, would love to see it. Curious how that impacts the cash, but uh, yeah, I, I, the easiest thing for so many levels is just trading into the early second round. I don't, it's a lot less math for me to also have to calculate. I'm just being honest because the cap hold won't count for the second round picks. Um, and not that the Knicks need cap space, but it's just, it's easier. It's just luxury tax concerns that we don't have to worry about as urgently right now. So uh, my plan for them is to do the thing that's easiest for me, which is just cool. Second round pick. Love the prospect. Probably haven't heard of him. Uh, I'll take Chris's thoughts, take Prez's thoughts and everyone else at the Strick- at Strickland who has great thoughts too. Uh, and we'll roll from there and then I'll move on to uh, finding out what's next from there. So that's my plan. Just enjoy the draft and do as little math as possible. 
Fern Rodriguez, thank you for the Super Chat contribution. Hi, Jeremy. Always love your content. Thank you. Scale of one to 10, 10 being likely, how much do you think Zion weight issue and him saying he's not ready to play last year is him pulling a fat Harden so he can get to New York? Um, I'm going to say if it's specifically New York, it's probably a four. Uh, just because there are other cities he want, he'd want to go to. He loves Dallas. He loves Atlanta. He loves Houston. He's mentioned those. I'm surprised he's not more interested in Portland. I know why he wouldn't be, but um, at the same time, it just, you know, most strip clubs per capita in that city in all of the United States. So not that he has to go that direction, but it's an option. Good for him if he wants it. But that being said, in terms of uh, generally speaking, uh, it's so hard to know his motivation as wants, but I'll like without knowing any of it, I'll say seven. He does not strike me as someone. And that might be conservative. Someone who wants to be in new Orleans. It has felt like that for a while. He took the money. The weight obviously was a concern because it was in the contract that he had to be a certain weight. And the Pelicans wouldn't have put that in there if they weren't genuinely worried about his weight. But also that's, that's how you can potentially burn bridges. Um, Anger your star player. I get why they did it. Protection. He gets a full max. They get an opportunity to say, hold on now. It's a two-way street. But yeah, it seems like he's definitely not wanting to be there. David Griffin also, just the Pelicans front office, moving a teaspoon, teaspoon out of a position with the team when Zion... And, and she were very close, is certainly a head scratcher, an eyebrow raiser, if you will. So uh, I just, I don't know, it has to be the right team, but that's, that's a tough one. That's a tough road to cross for them. And uh, I think they got to make it. I think David Griffin has to move him, but it's hard for them to get away with moving Ingram and Zion. So if they move Ingram, say to Charlotte, for number two to get scoot and you have to live with Zion for another year uh, at least. Cause it's just, well, you traded Zion and Ingram for, for what, what you, you did what now those two of the faces of the franchise. So it's, it's hard. I, I think only one goes, I guess Zion, but Ingram to the, to the Hornets, North Carolina guy went to Duke new ownership. If you're MJ, you go out with a bang and you say, look, I, I traded this pick for Brandon Ingram. Great player. If you're new ownership, maybe you are cool with that too. I don't know, but it's splashy. So Scoot Anderson, I think that's the easiest call, but not with the Hornets, nor am I a draft guy. So who knows? Uh, El Coriano 11. Thank you for the super chat contribution. If Obi becomes a restricted free agent, what would TMs offer? Uh, it's a great question. Maybe 470, four years, 70 million, 465. I mean, again, keep in mind, this is a year later than now. So the cap's going to go up. So salaries are going to raise naturally. I think if there's, but then it's like, okay, well, 460 would be $15 million a year. Is he going to get that much more? It's tricky. I, I think he, there's still bloom on the rose. It's just, 
he's got to show it next year. So that next year will determine it. If he has a good year, then it's okay. He had two strong years out of four, but he's also an older player. He's 25 years old right now. He hits restricted free agency at 26. He's got to prove himself in a way that a team feels comfortable stealing him. I mean, he's, I'd be shocked if he made less than 50, four years, $50 million, but it's the ceiling. I don't quite know where it's at. And that depends on how he does next year, assuming he gets to restricted free agency, which I guess he would, but if he goes to a small market team, it makes sense to just lock him up for a quality deal. So he doesn't have to hit restricted free agency and then you have more pieces at your disposal. So, uh, I'll go with a baseline of four fifty four years, 55 million. That'll be my baseline. Juan Gomez. Hey, Jeremy, what would you say about Mitch Fournier and two protected picks for Aiton? As mentioned, I'm not a big Aiton fan. Um, I get the appeal from Phoenix's angle. Uh, hey, we get protected picks. We need protected picks. We get a cheaper player in Mitch. We get another spacer, floor spacer in Fournier. I, I just wouldn't love it. And financially speaking, it would wreck some havoc on the Knicks because Aiton's making a lot of money, a lot of money. And I just don't think you need to pay a center that much money unless they are elite. And DeAndre Aiton, not elite, not by a long shot. He's got some work to do in that category. So uh, I would say, Juan, no, uh, not of interest to me because I'm not the Aiton fan that others might be. Sam Garcia's dad. Thank you for the super chat contribution. Sam Garcia's dad. You changed my mind a week or two ago, and now I genuinely want Levine. Do you think RJ has to go in a deal for Zach Levine? Well, I appreciate the uh, influence. I guess I am wielding here in that case. um, Yes. I don't see a way that RJ doesn't go out for Zach Levine. He's a name brand. He's something you can sell the, the fans on. He's a good player. I think also if you have RJ with Vucevic, I would imagine they move off of DeRozan, but if you found a way to add more spacing around RJ, good things happen. Uh, At least I would imagine that it lessens the burden. The difference of course, is that I am someone who doesn't necessarily want a Vucevic type at the five in New York. And if that's the case and there's a better player on the market than RJ it just doesn't, it doesn't work. There's, there's gridlock in some capacity. So that's where I think RJ would have to go. Uh, if RJ stayed, I mean, the defense of Brunson, Levine, Barrett, Randall, and Robinson would be terrible. Uh, you'd then want to move one of those players. RJ is not a full-time four. You can see small ball four in spurts. So if you're moving RJ out, you'd then move Grimes into the starting lineup, which uh, again has everything we would need to consider. Um, So from there, it's just, okay, well, what are we moving RJ for? And you wouldn't want to just dump RJ because you'd want something coming back, but the player you'd want coming back would have to be good. You'd want a good player coming back or draft equity. Um, But I don't think RJ's value is at the point where you get the draft equity you want. So it just makes the most sense to include him in the deal don't have it be Fournier and Derek Rose. I think if this were, if Levine had a Bradley Beal situation and he said, I want to go to New York, I have a no trade clause, I can do what I want. That's when you could say, yeah, well, like maybe we do go into the tax for this. It's worthwhile. It's not in this case the way. So you got to 
do something different. That's something different is uh, we'll be moving RJ as part of the living package. No clue if it happens, honestly, but um, I think fans should be prepared that if Levine does become a Nick, that RJ is not here. Whether it is in this deal or another deal, my money would be that it would be in this deal. So thank you very much, Sam Garcia's dad. And thank you to all of you. Really appreciate the time we've been able to spend here. I can't believe we've been here an hour and a half. Time flies when you are having fun. Uh, we've got some great content coming up. We have Chris. I believe he is on tomorrow um, to do an episode of Dream. We've got the draft coming up on Thursday. Some content there. And then we'll have stuff this weekend. Uh, I know John and I will be recording as usual. You got the casuals will be on Friday. So that's some good content. And uh some other really good stuff. It was five star review. If you haven't already um, like, and subscribe, all that good stuff. Thank you. There. Oh, there it is. Thank you, Justin. Um, thank you for tuning in tonight. Yep. So, uh, you know, leave a rating, preferably a good one. Good review. Be nice. I'll take it. And uh, yeah, exciting, nerve wracking few days ahead of us. I'm not that anxious. I'm not. Hopefully you're not too. I feel like the Knicks are in good hands, so it's okay. But, we know the last three drafts have gone absolute chaos, confusion, anger. It's going to be a bumpy ride. So my one call to action, if you find yourself outraged or confused or bewildered, or whatever adjective you feel is appropriate, take a deep breath, wait for the information, proceed. And the good news is we'll be here. We at KFS will be here to keep you covered and try to talk it through the entire time. Thanks so much, all. Talk soon.